When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello Blues, it's the Toffee Web Podcast, it's the end of the summer transfer window, and regardless of when you're listening, the deadline has passed, but we're recording with 11pm um, on Thursday night, rapidly approaching. The good news is that our six-week-old running joke about Adrissa Gay can be put to bed, he's signed from PSG, uh, James Garner is in from Manchester United, but the uh, much sought-after striker doesn't look like he's going to appear. We'll have our reaction to the Blues' final signings of the summer, assess the business overall, and review the two away draws at Brentford and Leeds. And we'll also pick our most memorable deadline days from the past, uh, which is be very apt uh, for in our uh, weekly question. Adam, Andy, Paul, 20 minutes left. Uh, no more forwards apart from Neil Mopay, it seems. How are we feeling? Better. <laughs> For having at least signed Neil Mope, I had this feeling that we wouldn't have anybody, you know, I mean, um, uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, we got someone in, and let's be positive that we can get um, get more games out of, uh, out of Dominic, I suppose. Um, you'd have to be happy with the rest of the business, is that fair to say? I think I certainly mm-hmm. am. I, I yeah. certainly am. Um, midfield, I think I'm very excited by um, that midfield three. I think Onan has made a great first impression, really. I think he was excellent against Leeds. Um, with Gay in behind him, we'll be doing this thing. If we can get out of this three at the back, like we did at Leeds. And I thought we looked a bit better for it, actually. Um, go for that three midfield. That, that just sounds like a like a very, very energetic midfield three. Um, those three, which would cause most teams problems, I think. And live with probably most teams in the league, I think, if they're, when they're on the day, them guys. So, um that's good, yeah. So, yeah, maybe some, a few problems in attack, I suppose. But, um, yeah, the rest of the squad's looking pretty, looking pretty good, I reckon. Yeah, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable with that midfield now. There's a lot more, there's a lot more energy in it. Um, there's a lot more confidence on the ball, I think. Um, I was just watching before this um, Michael Dawson, formerly of Forest and Spurs and a few other sides, um, talking about Garner. The other Garner, the second Garner, um, and what he was what he was talking about was essentially saying how easy it is at taking a ball out from midfield, sort of turn on it, and looks to play it forward all the time, which is great because I think um, against certain sides that'll really complement those other players we brought in, the sort of industry of Gay and yeah, as you said, Paul, I, I thought Anana's really growing into it as well. So that that, that midfield suddenly looks a lot better, I guess. The one thing we might be waiting on at quarter to eleven uh, over in the UK is um, is whether there's any more exits. Whether Andre Gomez has, has, has that has that gone through or not? That I've seen doesn't look like it. 
Mm. I saw Alan Myers tweeted not too long ago that it's expected to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like that. So fingers crossed that will uh, mm. go through. Um, is that permanent loans? Anyone know? It's, just, it's uh, a loan, I think. And that's those mm. tend to be yeah. the ones that they announce late because I think there's less, there's, yeah. less, there's fewer formalities around them. You know, it's just. Uh, I feel happy. I mean, let's look at everything with kind of a, a, a kind of tick or a cross, quite black and white this, but yes, the energy and the ground that the midfield can cover is a huge, great, big tick. Fullbacks now feel like we've got cover in, in both positions for fullbacks. That's a big tick considering where we've been in the last few years. We've got more experience. That's a big tick. We've got a more robust team he says, touching wood than we have done over the last few years, even though we've still got injuries, but the lads that have been brought in seem the robust types. Wages seems to have gone down. Deadwood seems to have gone out the door. Age profile, you would say, is looking a bit more like Mm -hmm. it. I think, obviously, the big thing is, if we could add one more forward player, I think we'd all be really pleased. But I reckon from the outside looking in, of the club, the club have got this endless balance, haven't they, between we want to try and do things sensibly and with all that in mind, you know, with, with the right age, the right profile, the right room to grow, the right sell-on value, blah de blah de blah de blah um, They've got to balance that with the risk of actually dropping out of the Premier League um, by buying the wrong player or buying someone that isn't going to fit in a year's time or whatever. And I reckon they've kind of the 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 line has been drawn here because they couldn't find the right profile attacking player, um, and they have balanced that with is the risk with this squad now, but we've got big enough of going down to have to get somebody, anybody, Diaz, whatever it might be that they're not 100% sure on. I think with all the other players that have come in, Tarkovsky, Cody, McNeil, Onana, Gay, Mope, Garner, Vinagra to an extent, they seem 100% set on those players that they would definitely improve us in all of those areas. I don't reckon they could find anybody for the money that would definitely improve us in those areas going forward. And that's their call, I guess. And that's the risk they've taken, at least until January that we're not going to be in a mess. Um, and I reckon they're just about right. That feels like enough strength for us not to be involved in a huge relegation scrap, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't match your uh, your what you said about being happy, um, but I think all the points that you make about the fact that we've we've strengthened the team on balance with the business that we've done. Some of the Deadwood has gone, as you say. Um, we've got cover for in central midfield now. We've got cover at the fullback positions, as you say. We even still have cover at centre-back, even though we've lost three players in that position already. Um, and we still you know, are fairly comfortable. Um, so I think that we're going to be harder to beat, which is obviously um, a big plus. Um, I feel that the 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 sort of the, the the mental sickness that infected the team under Benitez where they just where they would just fold or they just lacked the wherewithal to to sort of get back into matches i think that's going to have changed under lampard the, you know the attitude of the players which i think we've seen in abundance in the last two matches against uh, uh against brentford and leeds but particularly at leeds i think you're seeing you know, more of that togetherness that they had at the end of last season show, still showing through as a determination there. Um, and if everyone is on the same page, which I think you could tell from from the little that was sort of making its way out of the club in the latter days of, of Benitez's reign was that, that there, was a, there was a problem. And Lampard alluded to the fact that a lot of it was broken when he came and there's a lot to fix and it's going to take time. So um, I still think that, it's going to be a struggle for the next few weeks and until the, the World Cup break. I feel like we're going to be up against it <clears throat> a lot because, again, you know, teams, those teams around us, um, 
feel a little bit stronger and then some of the, the teams towards the top are are even stronger still um but at the same time you know there's um you know a, a team that's together and a team that has a, that's working to a system can still grind out results and i think that's going to be the key for us is, is grinding out um results when we need to and also sometimes when we least expect it you know if we can if we can cause a surprise in one of the next two matches then you know all of a sudden you got a bit you got a bit a bit of a lift there my my disappointment about today is that we don't have a sort of fresh injection of someone up front that can go into matches like the derby and arsenal away where you feel like you have someone who could actually be a match winner um but you know then you look at someone like like anthony gordon and damari gray who have both shown some really good striking instincts in the last couple of games and then you you think that with that stronger midfield, now you have a platform to actually play attacking a counter-attacking football, and you can, you actually have players who can pick a pass through the through the defence. Um, you know, Anana, Wobi, um, those kinds of players who, who who can we can play to a system. We're gonna we're gonna have to obviously before Calvin Lewin's fit, we're gonna have some we're gonna have a small strike force. We're gonna be back to the, the sort of midget gems days of of how Kendall's third term. Um, but you know, it's not. Uh, it, it can work. Um, I just, again, I just, I, I just wish we had a bit more um, that we're not sort of hanging everything on Calvert Lewin coming back to score the bulk of the goals, and we're relying perhaps a bit too much on Alex Iwobi for the creativity. I would have liked someone else to come in with a bit more um, creativity and then sort of add some magic to the midfield. But otherwise, yeah, I think you know you're right. Uh, we're stronger. Yeah, I think you're right in what you say. Um, I, we don't have to look. I mean, we, we don't have to look back very far, do we? For like whenever I've, I've spent money on the wrong players, um, like Ken Tosin and whatever else, you know. So I'm, I'm glad they haven't done that. I'm glad they haven't just gone, you know, panicked and spent over the odds on somebody that we, you know, isn't suitable. So if the right player isn't available. The 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 they had a bid for didn't they put a bid in for that lad from Blackburn today? Diaz, is it? Um, yeah, I, I was actually, I was going to make, I was still going to make a point about that. Is what I, I'm glad that we didn't pay the ridiculous amount they wanted for a player who's going to be out yeah. of contract in six months. And I think that's what you're about. To, you know, the point you're probably about to make is we're sensible, sensible business. Exactly right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, no point spending too much, but no, no point spending more than the value, especially when we don't have this money available. You know, we haven't got loads of money to spend. I think a lot of the deals that we've, you know what they reported as compared to what we spent up front. So very, very different, I think, uh, for a lot of this season. Um, seeing Garner there, um, James Garner, <laughs> for like yeah, £15 million, pounds, I think. And we haven't paid up from anything like that. It's about half of that, mm-hmm. I think. With the rest going, going to add on as and when so-and-so happens. So it all sounds a lot more sensible than it's been. And it's, it's needed to be. We've needed a bit of a reset. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can understand people's frustration. of a long time, and we said that a few times on this podcast. Look, it's been a long time since we since Richardson left. We we've we known for a long time that we need to get a striker in. Yeah, it is annoying that we had that you know that 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 hasn't really been addressed. But otherwise, yeah, it's 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 a lot more sensible than what Everton have been over the last I don't know how many years really. Um, so I'm I'm quite satisfied. I'm I'm optimistic. Uh, faith in Lampard. He seems to be he seems to have the squad pulling in the right direction. There's certainly a lot seems like you mentioned togetherness is there. I think that's certainly harder to beat than I can remember as being for quite a long time. Um, you know, the games, the, the the two games you lost easily could have got something out of both of them. Um, the two games you drew easily could have won both of them. You know what I mean? So um, it's very tight, and it does leave it leaves me with a little bit of optimism going into these uh, these upcoming games, um, as tough as they are. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm feeling quite a good place for that about Everton at the moment, and um, I probably didn't think I'd be in this in this happy place uh, a few uh, a few a few weeks ago, you know. So um, yeah, I'm quite optimistic the way things are going. I suppose it's just when we think about the the, the forward options and, the, and, and that match winner that we were hoping they were going to we were hoping they were going to pull something out today, didn't we? We we, we all yeah. did, you know, someone that can play across the front three or whatever. Um, I suppose. In that way, it feels too sensible sometimes. Like we've done sensible business in every other area of the pitch, and yet we haven't managed to do any sensible business there. 
Um, but I think on balance, and that's what it's all about, I guess, on, on, on balance, it feels like we're doing the, the right thing for the club now and also in the future um, for all the reasons we've said. Um, but I think we're just scarred. I think we're just completely scarred by last season's like fraught end and chaotic end, and that makes it feel like we we, we need that kind of safety of somebody, <laughs> somebody else, something somebody to do something going forward. Um, but I think we just have to. Well, we just have to cross everything now, don't we? That that is enough till January, and that the club can get away with being that sensible, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to forget as well that even though, yeah, it would have been great to have an extra forward in today, we have signed one. It's just through a weird, incompetent uh, Premier League ruling. We've not seen him yet, even though he signed on Friday. It's quite easy to forget about Mope and we, we don't necessarily know um, how effective he can be yet, but I'm, I'm excited to see him. Um and something I was just going to say quickly as well that I kind of thought of while you were talking, Paul. What what's happened with our business this year is we seem to have signed players successfully who other sides have wanted to buy, which hasn't always been the case. We've overpaid for players who seemingly nobody's interested in. We bought the likes of Ashley Williams and Balassi on you know big big wages, big money. Chenk Tosa we mentioned before, and. We're we're kind of the front runners, and we we paid what was what was on the table. Whereas the likes of Anana, um, Garner from For- uh, not from Forest was it Forest? Um, these kind of players, Tarkovsky as well. Other sides have been in from him. That's reassuring, and I think that's maybe what's been our undoing in that sort of extra forward. You know that that kind of extra little piece of a puzzle. Um, but there doesn't seem to be a lot out there, and and the ones that are. are as you said, Lyndon, Brayton Diaz for twenty million makes no, no sense. Um, even if we were really up against it, even if it was January, you'd still say that that's far too much money for someone who's still un, unproven mm-hmm. at this level, yeah. um, and who doesn't necessarily start if Calvert Lewin's fit and if everyone else is firing on all cylinders. He, he, he's probably on the bench, so. Um, it's it's sensible, it, but it but it's just a shame that there wasn't that player out there because it, it would certainly allow us having had these opening games to kind of reflect on, on where we are. But as you say, Andy, with the kind of hangover of last year, where it would be nice to have that little extra bit of nous and guile up there. Um, but I, I think I think we have got enough, um, especially with Mopo. Yeah, I was going to say that it's one of the the hardest areas of the pitch to solve. Um, because there's a lots of competition. I mean, if you look, Leeds were after a winger or a forward. You know, they tried to get Cody Gakpo, um, and obviously the door was shut on them. They obviously tried to get um, Dieng from, uh, was it Marseille? Um, and then he's gone to Nice and failed his medical or something. Um, uh, they were off, they, I think they were, and then obviously um, Dan James was being shopped around. Um, you know, there's lots of lots of teams are looking for forward players, and not everyone's been able to been able to land them. Um, and I think you're right that that we've obviously, well, Andy, you're right in saying that we haven't found the right kind of player at the right price. Um, and in that in that sense, given the finances the way they are, you know, it, it is sensible that they haven't they haven't panicked. I don't think that we're 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 looking at incompetence here. I think it's we could, we're right to be frustrated and disappointed that they couldn't get anything over the line. But uh, um, you know, it's 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 a complicated business, and we obviously don't know which which targets and which um, you know which players they actually went for during the window. So, Do you know, looking at it with the the type of player we've been we've been hoping for today, which hasn't who hasn't arrived, the one that I look at. Now and I wonder whether it was a mistake. Is is uh, Lewis Dobbin? And I wonder whether he might have had a part to play before Christmas, just in terms of giving something because he's lively, he's quick, he's not your kind of hold it up player. I get that, but but in maybe coming off of either flank, I don't know. I don't know whether he was the one that I look at. I mean, I'm looking at a list of players that have, have left. I mean, it's huge. 
um, which is another good thing. I mean, we shouldn't just talk about the ones coming in. It's the ones going out, isn't it? And, and that's that's massive. Mm. Um, he's the one on there that I think, could he have just been kept a few more months um, just to see whether he could have been the spark that might have come off the bench for 20 minutes every now and again that would offer us something slightly different. Um, either that or Nkunku playing slightly for, further forward. But um, they've both gone out on loan. I don't know. I mean... He's very untried, isn't he? So maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm just trying to pluck something out. But he, you know, looking at looking at the players that we've got that can play in the wide areas, what it, we've so we've got Gordon, um, we've obviously got McNeil, we've got Gray. Um, I just wonder whether he could have been the kind of fourth lively player. I'm not sure. Yeah, for me, that player is Alice Sims. I think just he would have. In the absence of Calvert Lewin, he's he's bigger. He can hold the ball up. Um, I think, particularly with Mope coming in, um, it might be similar kind of in profile to to Dobbin. Um, and I think uh, I was actually going to make the point earlier that, that Mope could, if he if he scores at the rate that he did for Brighton, he could potentially replace Richarlison's goals, if not replace Richarlison's kind of enigmatic unpredictability. Um, so I think that that's probably one good thing. I think with um, with Dobbin, it's kind of the same as with Sims. I think at the end of the day, uh, Frank Lampard just didn't didn't feel they were up to it or not. They weren't yeah. ready, but they're not ready. Um, and it's kind of as simple as that. I just see it, it. It strikes me as quite black and white to me. Uh, what Frank Lampard, he's he's got the ones he wants to work with, and he's made it quite clear the ones he doesn't want to work with, whether they be senior players, whether they be youth players, and I think. Some of that would be down to attitude, some of that would be down to ability, et cetera, et cetera. But he's, he seems to make his decisions. And I like that sort of, I kind of like that, to be honest, to making that sort of, that, that's my call, I'm backing it. And that's that. these are the guys who I'm working with and, and, and that's it. And, you know, you make them decisions. And I think, yeah, I think you got you got to kind of back your principles as a manager, manager, I suppose. I was thinking just a minute ago as well, I, would be, um, I just sort of Googled him while I was, um, uh, while, while, while we were talking there. Uh, Southampton signed a player from Blackburn at the start of last season for like £15 million. So there's a similar thing for this. They are, so I just looked at the stats. He scored one goal in 22 games for Southampton. Now I don't was, know what I, who was that against? Well, actually, I thought it was Everton. He debuted against Everton and I thought, like, <laughs> oh, it, it was bound to be, and I was convinced it was. But before, before someone called me up on it, um, I'll check. And it, it wasn't actually, thankfully, it wasn't against us. At least if it was against us, it certainly wasn't at Goodison Park on that opening day. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if he scored later in the season. I don't think so. But um, yeah, I'd not say that lad's obviously a bad player or anything like that. You know, it, but that's the risk, isn't it, with taking players from from the championship? He might, you know, it, it can be difficult. And you're not, you know, you, you you've really got to hit it right if you're spending that much money on a player from a from a league below. It's a lot to lot to pick up on, you know. So um, that'd be. Oof, you know, a, t- a terrible situation, wouldn't it? If we if we spent all that money and Diaz came in and returned one goal in 22 games this season, you know what I mean? So um, it's just it's just that cautionary tale, I suppose, isn't it? It's just making sure you're getting the right players in. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm behind what they're doing. If the if the right player wasn't there, then um, then so be it. Neil Mope, I think uh, I think we all probably owe him a bit of an apology, don't we? I think this <laughs> this time or last week's part, I think uh, I think uh, Andy broke the news, and we were like, oh no, <laughs> um, which is a bit unfair. Uh, so sorry, Neil, but uh, <laughs> let's hope that uh, he, he proves us all all wrong in abundance. Maybe hopefully starting starting this weekend. Eh? How does everyone feel about the derby coming up? Or do we get talk talk about what the Leeds game first? Uh, how did oh, straight to the derby? Is it? And the Brentford far, game. Like, it's been a, it's been a long game. week, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah it's been a long week. <laughs> well, yeah. the deadline, they override all of that and we don't really have to go there. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well, I was I was going to say about the um, you know about the, the way that the, the windows ended up shaping up um, and that sort of lack of, of, of panic um, and urgency right at the end there to get anyone in. Um, I think it's a, it's a show of faith perhaps from Lampard in what he's seen over the last couple of games from the the two I'm thinking particularly Gray and uh, Gordon who've you know obviously scored goals this season um, their ability to 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 play up in that forward line um, and and get the job done I think obviously that one of our biggest criticisms of them both but perhaps maybe even 
um, Gordon more so to an extent was his lack of end product and his lack of um, lack of goals. And obviously, he's got two. Gray's got a couple in in in, in the one in the league, one in the cup. Um, and so I think that um, that that's going to bode well going forward because that reinforced midfield, particularly with the Jussie Gay in there. Um, it's going to, it's going to be, as I said, I said earlier, it's going to be more of a platform for us to, to actually launch attacks and, and and play, you know, play through play through opposition lines, um, play on the break, um, in the absence of, as I say, in the absence of Calvert Lewin being in there, um, and so I think that Lampard might have looked at those those two games, and and had some confidence that the players that he does have at his disposal can, can actually see us through, um, the Brentford game. Um, to a greater extent than the Leeds one, I think was was more concerning in that we just we just didn't, weren't able to 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 hold them back, um, and obviously conceded from a set piece again with some of the worst defending I think we've seen in quite a while. Um, but the the response against Leeds was just what you want, really. Um, and again, in a very difficult place to go, I think it would be would it would have obviously been nice to have taken all three points. We had our chances at the end, but. I think me personally, and I, I think a lot, lot of Blues felt the same way. Is it going Before those two matches, you said if you get a point away from home in both those games, you would have taken them. I thought we'd... I was I, I kind of resigned to losing at Brentford. I don't know why. I just didn't feel confident about that game at all. I thought we'd lose that. But I did think we'd beat Leeds. Nothing other than blind faith. Uh, I just had a feeling that we'd beat Leeds, and we nearly did. Um, but I suppose that, that would have been three points. So... I'll, I'll take two points. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll take, you know, to, to go and beat in the two, you, you take that. I'm frustrated with the offside, um, the offside goal, really. I, and I, I, feel, I feel like I go on about this every every week, but it's just, uh, it, it, again, it was just very, very quick. Oh, he's offside the game. Yeah, yeah. We finally saw the line a bit later on. And, and just sometimes you get this, like, real sort of, like, close analysis of, like, where, the, where it was and all that and where the line is and, it's just like a very, very quick decision. I just wish, I just wish these things are more consistent. I was like a quick decision you're done with, or not pick and choose as to when it's going to be. You know, what I mean, when it's going to be decided if it's offside or isn't. And that was frustrating for me. I didn't really. It didn't feel to me like it was offside. Um, it looked like it was onside. Um, so that's that's something I'd like. Is it? Is it? Um, uh, like uh, what do you call it? Like or like. Like technology offsides in the World Cup, I think is that something that's coming yes, in? Yes, they're going to trial what they call yeah. semi-automatic or something using the sensor right, in the ball. Okay. And the thing that, that 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 my question with that, and also with the way that it currently is, is who decides at which frame the ball leaves the passer's foot? You know, because it does make a big difference. If they can arbitrarily choose which frame it is, which key frame in the video where the ball leaves the foot of the guy who is passing it. Um, and we don't see that part of it. You know, they used to show them drawing the lines. Now they don't do that anymore. I mean, it's it. The spirit of the offside law was you don't want people hanging around the opposition goal. You know, for ninety minutes just trying to kick one in. And now we've got these razor thin decisions. You know, toenail width decisions that completely, for me, go against the spirit of what the offside law was. I mean, they changed the law so that the offside level was onside to benefit the attacker so that we get more goals in the game so that the matches are more exciting. And now we seem to have gone the opposite way where we try and chalk goal, goals off more than we allow them to stand. Again, on these razor-thin, you know, arbitrary decisions. I, I mean, I've banged on about this for, for months. Make it, give a margin for error, make the lines thick, you know, two thick lines. And if they overlap, then, you know, he's, he's onside. And if there's any gap between the lines, he's offside. I mean, it, it's just... Drives me crazy. Yeah. I mean, you on this one. I agree, by the way. But but on this one, you can kind of see the workings. I mean, in that, what's happened with both the Rashford one and the Gray one is that they have effectively stuck to the on-field decision. So yeah. Rashford was there was no flag for Rashford. He went through and scored. They didn't see that as a big error. So the goal stood. Our problem was that the linesman put his flag up the other night. So if he hadn't, I wonder whether we might have got to a slightly different scenario. Because um, effectively, they've said to the linesman, you haven't made 
a clear and obvious error. That's how I read yeah, it. Yeah, I wondered that, but then, and I th- and I thought this, and I saw somebody else mention it on Twitter. Actually, I, I don't think that the clear and obvious error thing applies to offside. I think they've gone with a very black and white. You know, we will check it, and no matter what the on-field decision is, it will be either on or off, depending on where the line is placed. I think that's how they've done it. Okay. So. Because I I read it as they're kind of trying to back their officials. Well, and that's and that's where I that's where I kind of get into the conspiracy theory, arbitrary nature of where do you put the line? I mean, that's you know because we don't see the the them measuring it and, and the rationale for it. We just see their final image, which which is the final verdict. You know, we have to live by it. So. Yeah. Mm. And you're absolutely right with the um you know with which frame you're looking at. I mean, you know, th- there are so many frames per second on those cameras mm-hmm. that you know, um, two, three frames the other way, the ball can move. Wow. I mean, the ball can move. The players can move Mm. centimetres and centimetres by the time you actually stop the next frame. I mean, so, yeah, it's um, it's very frustrating. The the, the last thing on this that I'll say is that the other thing that gets me about it is that defenders are naturally moving forwards and attackers are naturally moving towards the goal. And so that overlap, yes, the attacker is going to be leaning further forward than the than the defender is the other way. And so, yes, his shoulder is going to be offside, which, again, it's the spirit of the law. And I just think that we've thrown that in the bin at the mercy of technology. I'm almost at the point now of just because I'm I'm so fed up with the sort of like these sort of inconsistent decisions. Like I don't even know what the linesman's job is anymore. To be honest, in this regard, it just it just becomes so like they've just become so un, like unnecessary kind of linesman that I'm almost at the point of just like letting take letting technology just override everything. Even like when like it's I don't know like a free kick to to let's just say to Everton outside their own box and Pickford takes it a lot like a, a big spotlight just goes down and shows you where the ball should be should be put and stuff you know just I just felt I just, I just kind of wish like there was no margin for ever anymore ever anymore and it was just all because I'm just so sick of everything just being like I just love it to be like oh no he's going no he's offside you know mm-hmm. I mean? or something like that or you know I just don't, because you feel like, I mean, I saw one early, earlier in that game against uh, Leeds and Tom Davis made the burst forward and, yeah, okay, it was never going to result in a goal. But, like, um, and then, and we see this all the time, don't we play, everyone's onto the ball, finally gets to the ball, then, oh, no, the Lanza sticks his flag up now and then it's offside, you've got to go all the way back. And Ben Goffey got injured as a consequence of a similar mm-hmm. thing when the ball went out of play and didn't, you know. And, when if that was just a simple, like, <clears throat> he's offside. And then when you saw the replay, Tom Davis wasn't even offside and all that. And, you know, and, and somehow it doesn't matter with then, but... Who knows what that can lead yeah. to? Okay, it's not an, a, a direct goal, but it might lead to a flow in which I really, which it really, you know, go into mm-hmm. a goal. So I think the whole thing needs looking at for sure somehow. Um, so it kind of flipped on, head, on its head for me from like not wanting technology to like, well, if you're going to do it a bit, you might as well just do it all because it's just so inconsistent with the way it's yeah. done. So that's been, um, my point. that's been my point from the very start. How far back can you want to go on it? If you're going to do one thing, you just want to do absolutely everything like FIFA. You know, it just well be the whole thing. This as well be a, a you know a, 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 a censored automation, you know, automated yeah. experience. How far back do you want to go? I mean, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, disappointing. But one thing I will say about the two matches, um, which is something I mentioned, what about a fortnight ago, um, was I'm really pleased to see Patterson and Onana both playing. Mm-hmm. And both making their little mistakes as they go along, but both clearly improving mm-hmm. as young players in the Premier League and growing into their roles. I'm really pleased that Lampard hasn't done what we thought was going to be a, a safer option and like maybe put a Wobi at right wing back or try and try and like he had to at the end of last season, try and cover these young lads as much as he can. He's basically said to them, "Go on, then." Um, and it's you know. Well, I think we're both seeing with, with those two young players that it's been fantastic for them, and and we can see the players that they're going to be, which is um, I'm really really pleased about that. Even if we'd lost the two games, I think that would have been a really positive thing that they were given the chance to just get on with it. I think as well the the signings we've made are only going to help those guys as well. I think I think Garner and Anana makes so much sense. Um, not just when I say it like that, but also, um, I, ju- I, ju- I just think they'll they'll complement each other so much. And also, um, what we're talking about before with those kind of forward players being allowed to do a bit more because of a base we've got. I think the one 
concerning thing from Brentford, which I think we were, we were better at against Leeds, but was still a, a bit of a worry, was those times when we did get forward, we still looked quite suspect in the kind of transitions. Mm. Um, and Brentford had a few really good chances. Um, certainly Craig more than Leeds did, um, despite a lot of time wasting, which still don't really get all the ire about that as well. It was bizarre. Um Strange manager. Uh, he yeah. kind of went for Fergie thing after 20 minutes, uh, pointing at his watch. But anyway, um, I think um, I think having Garner in there to sweep up um, when when those kind of things happen, when, when when someone like Gordon tries something and maybe it doesn't come off when, when Gray does the same, um, we want them to do that. We want them to affect the game in those areas. But I feel like, Although Davis has, has done well, he, he's he's done a solid shift in there the last couple of games, and probably not fully fit as well. So I, I think Iwobi's had a lot of credit. I think Dave, Davis has shown that he can be a part of that squad, um, not necessarily a starter, but certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having, having Garner in there will really just give us a shield, and and I'm I'm excited about the other Garner as well because, as, as I say, against sides where there's maybe a bit more onus on it, having someone who can play the ball forward as well. And hopefully he's got someone to play it forward too, um, like a Mope or, or the uh, elusive Calvert-Lewin. Um, I think we'll, we'll certainly turn these kind of one-alls and losing by, by the odd goal against the likes of Chelsea. I think we'll, we will pick up more points. Um, and I'm, I'm quietly confident going into the derby quietly confident um all that var talk spooked me a little bit i could just see a sort of wiggly line happening on saturday uh as they they decided to try something new with that um just for saturday but i i think i I saw a bit of their game annoyingly i saw the crucial bit of their game i was was channel flicking on wednesday and they really are spawny aren't they i refuse to watch them normally but um I, I, I don't think they're that special. I, I do think we can we can get them. I, I feel like there's there's enough that we've shown in two really really tough away games, uh, Brentford and Leeds, high energy sides who really do get at you and make you work, and who've <clears throat> caused much more damage to sides higher up higher up the division than ourselves already this season. Um, I, I think we've got enough to hurt. Liverpool, and if we can do a similar job that we did for quite a bit of that uh, that game on the Lampard last year, where we keep keep them quiet, um, I, f- I fancy us to sneak something. Um, but I might just be, uh, yeah, riding the crest of a a Ghana Ghana wave. I don't know. Who would have thought when we first made that Rihanna joke that Onana Ghana Gay would actually be three separate players? Mm. <laughs> That's what I like about it. <laughs> It could be on midfield, actually. Yeah, it could. <laughs> it could. Um, yeah, I think. I think that. I think you're right that the, the Leeds game is is probably as good a, a, a sort of warm up for the to play Liverpool, who who are you know fast and high intensity. I think you know the way that we we managed Leeds for most of that match, and again could have won it at the end. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think. Um, I've seen people say that Nathan Patterson should have put that chance away. I think if you're looking at a young fullback um, who I think his, his main priority was just to hit the target, which is what you want, um, asking him to put a, you know, a perfectly placed shot under, under the low shot, under the keeper to the far corner is probably asking a little much, but it would have been nice. And then obviously Onana smacks his, the ball into the only place where there was a Leeds head in the way <laughs> in the, uh, from that, that late corner. Um, but yeah, I think there was enough to be encouraged about um, from that match. Uh, that I think that if we if we play as well as we can on Saturday, I think we can get something. Um, and I, obviously, the the imperative is don't lose. And I think if we manage that, I think we'll be fairly happy. Yeah, I've got a good feeling about the derby. Um, I guess we're allowed to be opti- we're allowed to be optimistic sometimes, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, are we? <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've been more encouraged um, last couple of games, uh, just particularly just in that we're making ourselves hard to beat. I don't get the feeling we're going to get. You know, we're going to concede a ton of goals. 
despite some of the chances we gave up at Brentford. Yeah, you know, I think that was more of like um like like a bit of an objection to the rule, if you know. I mean, that was just like um we haven't we haven't they've been a lot more solid than that in the other mm-hmm. games. You know what I mean? I think so. Um, I think uh, yeah, I've done, I'm, I'm comfortable with the lads we got in the back there. I'm comfortable with what Frank will set them out to do. I'm comfortable that Frank will will have them attack when they can. I'd like to think Mope will start um, just to give us something different in attack. But if Frank thinks otherwise, then okay. Um, I think the lads, the lads who've played in attack, I think what has pleased me with the three of them is they they all seem to have learned a bit more about playing playing in that false nine and yeah. doing more off the ball mm-hmm. and making better runs. McNeil as well, he's come on. I mean, a bit of, uh, these last couple of games, he's he's impressed me um, more certainly more than he did in the first couple. So yeah, I can. I think the squad's in a good place at the moment. Liverpool won, yeah, uh, given night they were, but they. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't. Know, I don't know how seriously you take the Bournemouth game. Bournemouth were absolutely dreadful by all accounts. Obviously, you beat your team nine 0 You have to do something right, of course. I'm not not sitting here for a second <laughs> and go, "Oh, these are rubbish." These are good. yeah. I mean, but like, yeah. I mean, from what I saw of them, they, they've got a bit. They've got a few injuries, haven't they? I know we have too, but yeah, it might not be the worst time to play them. Um, Liverpool um, all doesn't seem too harmonious in that camp at the moment so maybe just maybe it's a good time maybe just it's just our opportunity here and uh, blimey it's been a long time since Goodison, Goodison have experienced a, a derby win hasn't it and um, we're certainly due one and we're due a win this season as well so maybe just maybe the stars are aligning a little bit and uh, yeah we can get that win and uh have a good old day. It's just an early kickoff. <laughs> Plenty of time to celebrate afterwards. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if we go through the next two games, which realistically we wouldn't be expected to win, are we still going to be feeling the same as we do tonight? It's going to be tough, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. then you're looking at seven games without a win. And, you know, there aren't many teams that, there aren't many Everton teams that we've followed over the years that would have gone seven without a win at the beginning of a season. I'm trying to think back. Crikey. Um, 14 under Mike Walker, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I think before Joe Royal took over, that was about that kind of level, wasn't it? It doesn't feel anywhere near that. I mean, it just it feels relatively positive. But there is that thing, isn't there, that we have still a zero in that column. Um, and if it doesn't change in the next two games, which maybe some wouldn't expect it to that might be tough i'm trying to get myself kind of i know this is a real evertonian thing but i'm trying to get myself prepared for that in some way because we all feel quite upbeat don't we i mean you know we, we, we all feel okay about it but it, it's um i'm already looking at other teams results like tonight i was thinking oh leicester lost that's good um and i'm doing that thing again where <laughs> you've just kind of changed Burnley out for leicester and you know um um you just look at other teams' results already. I don't know whether that's just me or it's just it's just going to be hard if, if if we don't get that win. And what's the game after that? I mean, there's it's not particularly easy even after that, is it? West Ham. Oh, yeah. oh, West Ham. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mm. I, I'm there too. I'm already looking at, at other teams and how they're performing. Um, and I think that you know the the, the the few points that we have on the board right now is part of the whole frustration that surrounded the. The, the lack of, of a striker to this point, um, you know, the Premier League shenanigans around Mope not being registered, notwithstanding. Um, yeah, and I, but I'm, I'm mentally prepared for the fact that we won't have any more points after the next two matches just because of the, the strength of the opposition. Um, but, you know, allowing, you, you have to have the hope that's, that will eventually kill you, that, you, you know, that you can, that we can pull something out because, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of them's at home. Um, you know, it's good as it's a derby, you know, and strange things can happen. So that's what I'm kind of pinning my hopes on. I would have thought, though, in any event, if the next couple of games don't go well, the next three games, if you want to include West Ham as well, I'm not too sure what, what, what runs after that up until the World Cup. But um, I'm comfortable with that squad doing enough. You know what I mean? But, yeah, especially if, we, you know, if Dominic can come back okay and <clears throat> that, that midfield can make it on. I really want, I mean, that one on, he, he's made an, he made an incredible impression on me. Mm-hmm. What would he be like in a few, when he's up to speed in a few months' time? 
Um, is he? Yeah, is he likely to go to the World Cup? I don't know. He's, he's got one cap for Belgium. I wonder if Martinez might want to sneak him along. But not, not exactly short of quality players. He, he might. He might do. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. But um, yeah, just uh, yeah, I'd be very interested to see what he's like in a few months' time and on because he looks a fantastic player. I think once. Uh, I don't think it'll take Gay long at all to settle into that. I wonder if Gay. I think can we, we could now finally say, will Gay play on there? We'll address a Gay play on a, on a, on Saturday. <laughs> We've been putting him in the team for weeks before he's even been our player. Now we can actually see. So, um, I think pretty good chance Adressa will be straight into the team. Um, I think with Adressa there, you're going to get more out of a Wobi and you'll get more out of an honor. And that's not me sort of. As you said, discrediting Tom Davis, he's he's done very very well, Tom, and it's it's, it's good that he'll be around. He's, he's going to be a handy squad player too, but it's different levels, isn't it? To be fair, and the dress of guy, what he can what he can bring in comparison, the energy he brings is is, is fantastic. So um, I'm optimistic that midfield, Anthony Gordon, Gray, McNeil will all improve. I like the fullback. Yeah, it's it's all it's all positive for me. I, I think uh, regardless of what happens in these next two or three games. I'm positive for the season, so I'm uh, I'm certainly not in a hung up on how the next few games will go. I don't think that um, that that's anything to do with sort of dictating how the season goes. Yeah, it looks like the uh, the trickiest there. Are, we've, got to, we've got to go to Newcastle. We've got to go to Spurs um, in October mm. after playing Manchester United at home. That's those are the three that patched looks the worst run between now and the World Cup. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed we can get something on the board before then. What does this mean for Alan? He didn't come on yeah. at Leeds the other night when when the midfield looked like it could do with a bit of an injection. Mm. Now he's got Garner and Garner in front of him. I mean, but they haven't... Well, they may have tried to offload him, but they haven't managed it. I mean, is he going to be one of those players that just sits there now? He could, yeah, um, could be. Doesn't strike me as a sort of player who'd want to, though. You know, just strikes no. me as a very competitive player who'd, who'd like to play. You know what I mean? So, um, you might have to. Surely he'd be after the move. You would have thought. I don't know. Well, if that's not happened now, then it won't, I suppose. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's quite sad, isn't it? I've quite, I've quite, I've quite liked Alan's contribution generally over the over the the two seasons. He's always given us all. So it's a bit of a this is the end for him of just a, a year, or at least until January of sitting on the sitting on the bench or not, not contributing, not involved. And it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Especially some probably on some pretty big wages as well, I would have thought. So, yeah, it's a, be a shame to just have him sitting around if he's not going to play. Yeah. I think that might be why he's still here. I think the, the wages will be high. And you could you could easily see him going back to Italy at some point. But is he... I, like you say, I don't see him as someone who would, who would sit around and kick up a force. And I think when he has come into the side, he's, yeah, like you say, he's always been great. It's just whether he necessarily fits into this side, the way that Lampard wants us to set up. Um, Probably not. I think he'd he'd maybe look better in the three. And I think that's obviously one thing from this week's week's games, obviously the, the difference between Brentford and Leeds. I think having that extra man in the middle, we kept talking about it. Um, it, it did make us look more like we should be, you know, mm-hmm. com- compact in those transitions and um, still a threat going forward. Um, yeah, not firing on all cylinders. And yeah, Leeds certainly created things, but I, I think we, we made the better chances. And But for a strange offside decision and a few sort of, sort of near misses at the end, we'd, we'd, we'd have come away with a win. I think um, I could see a land playing in that side but ahead of the, the two guys we've bought in Ananana probably not so it, it's going to be an interesting one to see how he manages that but it's it's gone from an area where for a long time we've looked kind of like we're missing someone to suddenly overstocked and I'm, I'm okay with that especially based on mm. what's happened in central defence where even with a bit of an injury crisis we've managed to ride it out and we've still got Michael Keane on the bench for example um, it's just it's just up top, isn't it? Where that's where you would worry um, if if someone got injured at this point, um, possibly one of the fullbacks as well. But um, that's that's maybe where you, you would be concerned, as we were talking about before. There's not necessarily that younger player 
in reserve who can come in. Cannon, perhaps, um, but probably not. Um, it's 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 whether will will Rue either either not holding on to someone like Ella Sims as you said before, Lennon, or maybe bringing in a young player and apparently went for João Pedro again mm-hmm. from Watford. Um, someone who's kind of a, a bit a, a bit of an anana up front, someone who's who can do a job now, but is also still a project who maybe wouldn't expect to play every week. Um, but hopefully in that in that run to the World Cup, if we can, I mean, I, I'd imagine Mope starts up top against Liverpool. I hope so. I hope do so. You think, do you think he'll stick to a three? I hope he does, but I, I wonder whether he's kind of just been forced into it, and mm. they might just think actually. I think against Liverpool, that that's the kind of team you would want to, but then it's also the kind of opposition where you sometimes a manager's impulse is to go with as many at the back as possible. But I just don't, you know, we just get mm. we get overrun in midfield, and that is the problem. And that was the glaring mm. issue against Liverpool in the derby last year with Benitez, where we just got yeah. absolutely destroyed. And I think we're, I don't know whether, I mean, because we've been talking about Gay for six weeks, I don't think he's actually played. And so that was, that would be my, the one thing. I mean, he's, he's, his physical conditioning has always been so great, but Lampard may err just on the, on the side of keeping him on the bench just for that reason. But uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. If you go three in midfield, I don't know, maybe just, I was, I was disappointed we didn't do that against uh, Nottingham Forest. I thought at home that was a really, really good opportunity to sort of get on the front foot a bit more. Um, I hope that Frank's encouraged of what he saw from Anana and yeah, well, particularly Anana about the Leeds game, but just how well it can work in the three. Um, I just, I, I just think it's an opportunity to have a have a go at Liverpool, which you don't have too often. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know it's. I didn't, and when I'm, I, you know, I'm making out like they they're on some dreadful run or something like that and they're not at all but I think it's I don't know it just it just feels like there's a little bit of a chink in the armour at the moment it just feels like there's, there's an opportunity to have a bit of a go at them um, so we just go out of the full throttle if we lose doing it then then so be it yeah they do feel different don't they they they, they don't feel like Man City do at the moment they they seem to have just come away from that that very very high level to be fair to them um, that they've set but um yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think it's um, a really good time. If there is a good time to play them, now might be it. I think some of their Astro inhalers have been victim of the uh, supply chain crisis, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So not the uh, not the grand um, climactic deadline day that we were hoping, but obviously we've had uh, quite a few of those in the past. So this week's question surrounds just that. Uh, what's your uh, most vivid uh, transfer deadline day memory? Well, I'll start us off. Um, mine's actually a vivid in a negative way. Um, and this probably goes not just because of what happened on deadline day in an Everton way, but also my personal circumstances at the time. Um, <laughs> And I don't want this to be a counselling session, so don't feel like you have to kind of um, keep me going here. But it's um, like a, just like a long stutter. Should I go and make a copper? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be a reason why this one's an hour and a half. No, it won't. <laughs> um, so uh, I had just um, I just split up with my girlfriend at the time. I was staying at a friend's house. Who, thank God, he said, "Come round and stay at mine." And it was deadline day. I was, uh, everybody else in the house had gone out. I was on my own. I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself anyway. And then it was announced really close to the deadline that Mikel Arteta had left the football club. Mm. And I have, uh, uh, I've still got him actually. Um, I've got a little ornament that I used to keep next to my bed. Um, like, do you know what a thinking man is? Like a little kind of like, like a little man who's kind of just thinking there, but he's all kind of um, smooth. It's kind of, anyway, this little kind of ornament. And I I was obviously, I was it was in the days of phone. Yeah, of course, I would have been on my phone looking at this. And I put the phone down on the bedside cabinet quite vigorously. 
the um, uh, and the ornaments fallen off and shattered into a thousand pieces on my mate's floor, and I'm in there in the dark on my own, and I'm thinking this is really really bad, um, and I'll never forget that moment, and it was partly down to the fact that we'd lost our best player and my favourite Everton, one of my favourite ever Everton players, and partly due to the fact that I then had to try and find all the different pieces of my thinking man um <laughs> but that is a vivid memory that i never want to experience again and uh, we still haven't worked out where the money went have we <laughs> i was just gonna say everyone else is like where's the arteta money and you're like where, where, where's that statue Zed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that takes it for me yeah it, it does concern me that of all the three things there that the, the, the girlfriend split up the um the arteta leaving the club you're most concerned about the, the thinking man <laughs> 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 yeah horrendous um my one um go back to oh 10 years well nearly 10 years no nearly nearly 11 years actually um Jan- end of january 2012 and um tony hibbert's playing at center back um alongside <laughs> i think and royston drente is on the wing um, and we beat Manchester City 1-0 and a Darren Gibson goal. Uh, that was a highlight enough as it was. Um, I don't know if earlier in the day, uh, Nikita Jelovic had been announced that we'd signed him. And obviously that was uh, that, that was very welcome because obviously we're short of strikes. Trakwalezi started that game, so it says a lot. Didn't it? And Ambelios came off the bench. Uh, so it said a lot about, um, and it sounds familiar, this lack of striking options, doesn't it? But um we signed the keys to Yelovich then. It was awesome for a while, wasn't he? Yeah. What a player he was at first. But, um, but the real highlight, even though it was just alone at the time, um, it was getting Stephen... It was one of them announced after the deadline, Stephen Pienaar was coming back on loan. Um, and that was a real fillet. And we really kicked on that season. And uh, yeah, had a really good chance of getting to the, to the FA Cup final. That wouldn't have been anything to do with Pienaar because he was cup tied, I think. But um, yeah, we ended up having a pretty good season there, just missing out on on the cup final. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I think it was what, you know, you can see I've been going, going in the right direction there a little bit. And uh, yeah, a few good, um, a few good memories from that, from that evening. Adam? Yeah, I, I was going to go for, um, it, it was, it was tricky. Cause yeah, the, the Arteta one definitely stands out um, in a negative way. Um, and then signing Lukaku, on deadline day back in the day that was that was uh all the better but one i went for was 2016 where we nearly signed moose sissoko from newcastle and he got hmm. on a plane um and then we didn't get him he went to spurs instead and i remember it just for the absurd it it, it was the first time well first it was our first missouri window so we'd gone from this kind of reserved, out of the picture, quite elusive businessman to someone who was texting <laughs> Jim White on live television, notes off his phone. And and at first, I think people thought it was a bit of a wind-up. And I, I remember sort of watching it live and thinking, firstly, what, why are we buying Moose Sissoko? He's, he's not that good. And I remember messaging a mate of mine, he's a massive Newcastle fan, he was like saying, oh, please take him he's 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 not he's not worth that um and it seemed as though we were trying to buy someone just to say we'd we'd bought someone a a real a marquee signing um that that never was um but I was thinking about today and it kind of makes you understand some of the the other strange buys we've had it was kind of Missouri's big moment that never really happened and and it, it's maybe the moment if, if this was this sort of origin story this would be the kind of one day i'm gonna prove you're wrong and um you know buy someone from swansea for an obscene amount of money I, <laughs> it, it it was just a a watershed moment that kind of changed our strategy and obviously yeah the following season where we splurge a lot of money it it all it all seemed to change for a bit from there and and this this window is I think we've still bought in two midfielders on deadline day, so it's it's not as if we've done no business. But it, it does feel, I think we can all agree, it's more sensible and a bit more normal and there seems to be outgoings that supplement the in- incomings. And um, 
that was that was the first sign that maybe something strange was about to happen. And uh, yeah, it certainly did. And we also brought in Calvert Lewin on deadline day, which I've, I'd forgotten about um, that same uh, that same day. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go twenty sixteen. Yeah, I'd forgotten that actually about Calvert Lewin. Mm. Mine goes back even further, uh, two thousand and eight. Uh, it was, I think, it was the first, maybe the second deadline day where I'd, I'd had um, the the new uh, first generation iPhone, and I was in a parking lot, and I was keeping up with information that I was getting about um, David Moyes, you know, hightailing it to Belgium to sign Marouane Fellaini, uh, and for between well deadline was probably 11 p.m so between 11 p.m and about seven in the morning toffee web was the only place in the world that had the exclusive news that marijuana fellaini had signed for everton uh, and so <laughs> we haven't uh haven't managed to scoop quite like that since uh but that for for that reason that is my most uh my most vivid uh, uh transfer deadline um memory because not, not only for the fact that I was spent all that time wondering if the information was a hundred percent correct, but it was. And, <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully we've, uh, hopefully in, in Onana, we've landed the, the next Fellaini. Yeah. What a signing he was, by the way. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Wasn't he, Feli? And he left on another deadline day as well, didn't he? Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> he did too. He did too. I was, I was away. I was away that day. I, I, that day, I was away. I was I was in New Zealand at that point, and um, so I wasn't wasn't find out the news like it literally literally a whole day after. But software was the first place I went to find out that news, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was like, "Who's this Fellaini lad?" But uh, we, didn't we get Sahar? Lewis Sahar the same day, or definitely the same window. Um, yeah, but another one I thought of was in um, way back. Um, um, I remember this, it was the 93 94 season when we just about survived against Wimbledon because I think on there, that's when deadline day was March, yeah. Uh, so it ran right through to March, mm-hmm. didn't it? And then, and then you know, for the final, however many games that was what you had. Um, and I heard we signed uh, Anders Limpar. Um, I was like, and he was famous for, I think, scoring a really good goal against Liverpool, I think, from the halfway line or something like that. I can't exactly remember. And we were really excited about that. But then somebody said, oh, yeah, but guess who's, guess who's left? And it's Peter Beagree, who was pretty much our only other creative player in that squad. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So uh, never change, Everton. <laughs> never change. So, yeah. So I remember being really made up and deflated and within a second, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, probably a better player, though. Lewis Warrington's joined Fleetwood on loan for the rest of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> I must have cool. been impressed with him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, he looks he looks a good so player. That kind of yeah, that that um that leads a long list. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. I make it out of the door in one way or another from the end of last season. It's quite a lot of work they've gone mm. through to be honest, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. But at least uh He'll get taught how to kick players, Lewis Robinson, there after the match against the <laughs> Dane to go by. <laughs> we do seem to be doing better with loans this season as well. I, yes. I, was, I was thinking about before with, with the Ellis Sims move. I mean, we could have easily spent 20 million on Brayton Diaz um, today, um, and no one would have really batted an eyelid. But he could easily score 20 goals for Sunderland this season, and that's how much he's worth, whether mm-hmm. he plays for us or someone else. It, 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 it's something we've not quite got right. And, and some of those moves have been bad luck. Um, Gibson went on loan a couple of times and he kept getting injured. And young promising players, I, I, I saw uh, Josh Bowler move to Forest today from Black, Black, Blackpool. Um, he, he was another one who was sort of loaned out quite a bit, but n- never quite seemed to kick on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we seem to have done better this season. Hopefully, some, some of them, are, you know, Warrington... I, as, as I said after the Fleetwood game, I, I think he's he's definitely got got potential. It'd be be good to see him kick on um, Sims and Dobbin as well. Well, hopefully uh, the business that we've done to the, to date this summer points the way to <clears throat> a bit more of a foundation and a bit more of a, uh, a platform to put some results together. Starting, of course, on Saturday uh, for the derby, uh, we will be back next week to chew over the fat of whatever happens in that one uh so until then um 
get some sleep now blues the window's closed <laughs> so the stress is over <laughs> and uh, we will uh, catch up with you very soon deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.